Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of the Comfort Films podcast. And here we are with our first episode of 2022. Wow. Yes. Exciting. I know. Things are moving on, finally. <laughs> you know, I want something good here. I want something really good this year, and we I feel do. it. I feel it. It's coming. All right. Yes. It's going to be like a glowing gem or just like a happy teddy bear from the sky that throws <laughs> jewels and i don't know that's e- pretty good exotic cars that sounds and... like a care bear yeah i like care bears you know i had like the the champ i think that was it champ care bear you know it was I like i think we've had a care bear convo on Did here we? before i think this wasn't our first care bear serious discussion yeah because remember i talked about care bear cousins oh yeah yes care bear cousins i god i can't remember what my care bear was mine was pink and i believe he had a rainbow on his belly oh i think that was um cheer bear could be i just don't remember i really don't know i'm terrible at this i don't remember was like the the trophy right yes okay no i did not have champ bear blue he was blue maybe oh wow i think cheer bear i don't know if but, we were talking about, uh, what are they called? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're so old now, guys. We're so old. We're I'm so really old. old. I just turned 44. Oh my God. I know. Happy birthday, Georgia. This Thank is a you. big moment. This is your first podcast is 44. How yes, does it feel? It feels elderly. Do you need um, a doctor? <laughs> maybe. All right. I'll get one now. On, on New Year's, your mom kind of reminded us that like... 2000 was half our lives ago oh boy yes and i was like interesting factoid and now i will go die <laughs> look i i still think you know i'm like a fairly young guy i look in the mirror i see this guy and i'm like who is this guy yeah i don't it's saying that t- when i was a little bitty kid like when i was in the 80s yeah i would like imagine the year 2000 like it was this big crazy thing that was gonna happen Mm -hmm. and i was gonna turn 22 yeah on you know january the 3rd of 2000 i thought it was so crazy and now i'm like okay so that was half my life ago (laughs) lovely lovely i look i just feel like i should go lie down on the grave and pull the dirt over me a little bit (laughs) well my god that reminds me of uh uh what is it uh, Beckett, women give birth astride the grave, oh, yes. and there's a flash of light, and then no more. That's yeah. a terrible paraphrase, but that's what you made me think. Okay, of right I there. really need to say this because it's so weird. Okay, okay it's a, it's bizarre. We haven't even said what movie we're talking about yet today. But Princess Bride, Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. Okay, I read in the trivia for this movie that Andre the Giant was too large to ride the school bus to school when he was a kid. That's awesome. So his neighbor, who had a large vehicle, mm-hmm. would come and pick him up and take him to school. Okay. His neighbor, Samuel Beckett. What? Yes. What? Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. That happened. That just happened. Organic Samuel Beckett, like, synergy. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Well, Andre the Giant, I just think of with the wrestling. I always, you know, remember the wrestling. We were 
big on WWF when I was growing up, and then we would go see like some of the local wrestlers, <laughs> you know, and that would be a really good time. I was only into like that wrestling cartoon. Oh, okay. The Saturday morning one. That was the only wrestling I really knew. Hmm. And I knew Captain Lou because he okay. was in the Cindy Lauper Girls Just Want to Have Fun video. Yes, yes. But otherwise, even though I am from the Deep South, I really did not know much about wrestling, wrestlers, or anything to do with it. Wow. I I was all in. I mean, I, man, I, I remember all the guys from the very beginning in terms of everybody now and then. It turned into WWE, then it was what, WWE Raw, and was it WCW? You're and, asking the wrong kiddo yeah, right here. I, I'm kind of a mess. I know, like, the, the very <laughs> old, you know, kind of, of wrestling. You know, that's just that's just kind of in line with yeah. me and my oldness. If Reminder, it's old, I know we're it. old. Yeah, we're yes. like... We're like really old and like sometimes when we do the podcast, like part of our face will just crumble <laughs> off and I'll be like, oh, George, no, a part of your true. face fell. Like I lost my entire nose during the last that podcast. That reminds me of Beetlejuice mm-hmm. or Death Becomes Her. Oh, yeah. Where or, you tape yeah. it or glue it back on. You glue it yes. back on. Yeah. But no, we're not. We aren't really there yet. Some days it feels like it. Sure does. But, you know, today doesn't need to be one of those days. No, but, okay, so with the wrestling, I need to tell you the story because this is crazy. Yes. So there were these wrestlers that I knew, and I'll kind of run through them quickly. So there was Randy the Macho Man Savage. I know who that is. Okay. My father would do a phenomenal... randy the macho man savage impression i have to imagine it was absolutely stellar because yes. i do actually know what he sounds like usually heard that voice like that <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i'm oh, sure your yeah. dad was all over that and around it he loved it he loved it like and then i don't remember when randy the macho man savage did uh, the snap into a Slim Jim ad. That was in the 90s sometime. Okay. Yeah. Early, probably 90s. Well, and then there was also, you know, of course, Hulk Hogan, you know, rip your shirt off. Hulkamania, yes. you know. Yeah. All right, I'll tell you, brother. You know, that whole <laughs> business. My I dad did know that. Hulk Hogan. Because mm-hmm. he was in other stuff. Hulk Hogan was pretty mainstream. Yeah, he did. Well, and he had movies, too. Like, he had Suburban Commando with Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, my grandparents did, like I've told you guys about, my grandparents and their console television with their, like, three channels off of the big giant antenna. Yeah. So, when I was there, I did end up watching wrestling sometimes, mm-hmm. but mostly what I remember is just the interviews, which were pretty amazing. Yes. Honestly, that was kind of the best part. Well, there's the one... Where it's like, I believe it's Hulk and Macho Man. I've seen this on YouTube and it's viewable. Yeah, Mean Gene is there. It's amazing. Like, I don't know what's going on with them, but I believe that the YouTube clip is like uh, Hulk and uh, Hulk Hogan and Randy the Macho Man on cocaine. <laughs> and like, they're just totally out of their minds. Oh like, Macho Man starts kind of like doing a twirl at one point and they're like yeah you know the madness and the and the mania (laughs) like and like me gene is there look up the clip yourself it's amazing it's It's amazing it's so ridiculous and peak 80s yeah and i have no idea no i have no idea what they were up to they were probably just messing around honestly they like 
That's what they did. They could go as far out as they wanted to. Yeah. Like, that was the thing about the 80s. Like, there was no over-the-top. No. There was there was no, like, ah, that's too much. You yeah, nobody's really reining it in. <laughs> no, they're like, keep going, man. Keep going. Yeah. Build it up. So, all right, this is the really, my point, the king. Okay, there was this wrestler called the king. Okay? And I saw him at the Worcester Centrum with my dad. The king was up against the ropes. He was this kind of big guy. And when he was up against the ropes, he shot this enormous gob of spit out into the audience. Ew. Yeah, and then there were these ladies in front of us oh that like got hit by it. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Oh, man. Like, my dad and I, we were like, I think, seventh or eighth row. And, you know, these women were closer, and they just got whammed with it man yeah it was super bogus well that's gross i mean they paid for that they did well and they also got to see hacksaw jim duggan who would hold up a two by four and go hey that was amazing and like you could never like bring him down he would always come back do the hey two by four so that was that was like i don't know that was the a quick a quick wrestling story that in no way involved andre the giant uh andre the giant did wrestle though as we all know a quick 10 minute sidebar <laughs> just a story before we really get into what movie we're doing yeah the movie that we're doing this week is the princess bride absolutely amazing movie directed by rob reiner and yes. it's based on the book by william goldman and william goldman also did the screenplay for this yes this came out in October of 1987. And what was interesting about this fairy tale is that it's it, this last viewing, it, it's kind of like, I guess, a Christmas tale in a way because we actually see, you know, some Christmas paraphernalia decoration decorations yeah. yeah that decoration you know some christmas paraphernalia i mean they were in pretty heavy with that christmas man yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm accusing you yeah especially in this child's bedroom <laughs> he had a lot of par- paraphernalia in yeah. there peter falk who plays the the you know fred savage's grandfather was just uh stealing paraphernalia he was Bringing in some Christmas paraphernalia. But uh, I got to tell you that uh, Fred Savage did have some dope toys in his room. All right. I'm really way off. So Princess Bride (laughs) is the movie we're going to be talking about this time. And this is part of what we're calling our Rob Reiner run, uh, a.k.a. the Meathead Marathon. Unless you think that we are, you know, calling Rob Reiner a meathead. Because we're being jerks. We're not. We are not. Um, if you're younger than us, which, as we said, we're old. Everyone's younger than us. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was a show called All in the Family that ran in the 70s. Um, it was hey, yeah. starred Carol O'Connor as Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. And his son-in-law, Mike Stivick, as the character, was played by Rob Reiner. And Archie would call him Meathead. So, our first introduction to Rob Reiner was as Meathead on this show, because I'm sure your grandparents and parents watch the show. All the time. I knew it because my grandparents loved it, and they would always watch it. It must have been in syndication by the time I was seeing it, um, which would have been like early 80s. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, Archie Bunker was 
a huge deal. Everybody really loved that show. And Meathead uh, was Rob Reiner. So that's why we're calling it the Meathead Marathon. And that, yeah, that Lovingly. show. Lovingly. I mean, he was amazing on it, along with everyone else on yes, there. Yes, it was a great show. All in the Family ran for eight seasons. It went from uh, 1971 to 1979, so eight years. So I, I would imagine that that was eight seasons. And then after that, there was a spinoff called Archie Bunker's Place, which lasted for four seasons. So this was like a very big show, uh, very uh, controversial yeah. at the time. Talked well, about a lot of stuff. Other shows spun off of that show, too. Oh, yes. That, like that's the true. Jeffersons came from, mm -hmm. uh, All in the Family. Maybe Maud came from it also. No kidding. I didn't I know think, that. I think it could have. So at any rate, um, yeah, it was very influential. Huge deal at yeah. the time. Maud, as, as you know, was B. Arthur. That was her television show. Yes. A golden girl that has passed away, just like they Betty White, who just passed away. Rest in peace. All of them were wonderful. Yes. Uh, love that show and will watch it anytime oh yeah yeah oh my god golden girls is <laughs> up there in like the top five of all time shows for me yeah i basically would watch it anytime if it's, it's on tv i'm watching it i mean i would just put it on on my ipad and wash dishes while just re-watching old golden girls episodes i mean it's amazing yeah Great it's show. Perfect. It's it's just oh man, it's so good. We just drove so far again. We're just no, off. We just I can't stay on the track. Off I mean, the cliff. I'll just <laughs> maybe I'll talk about a billboard All I right. saw once thirty years ago or that something. That sounds you know? good. I mean, that's what we do here. <laughs> we do that. Yes. Well, just to bring the bus back around and get us back on track, this is number two of the Rob Reiner Run, aka the Meathead Marathon which began last week with When Harry Met Sally, and this is number two in our series, The Princess Bride, and we're going to be continuing this through the month of January. Yeah, so Rob Reiner-related movies, um, mostly directed by Rob Reiner, um, but Rob Reiner-related in some way, so stick around. Um, he's done a lot of great stuff, Oh yeah, and we're really excited to talk about that. Um Especially once we get to the end and we can kind of go back and compare and contrast and pull out all of his little tricks. A Rob Reiner retrospective. <laughs> oh, oh. Impressive. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Randy Savage. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, oh, yeah. I, no, I kinda... you sounded like the Kool-Aid man. Uh, oh, yeah. No. no. You'll get it later. All right, it'll come back to me. <laughs> Losing my mojo, guys. You got to think about that snap into a slim jump. Snap into a slim. No. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No oh, boy. I don't know. <laughs> All right. This sounds very bad. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. That no. was it. But, was that it? But I it was surrounded it... by so much other stuff. All right. That's going the way of the dodo. Oh, we try one time. Oh yeah. That was close. It was iffy. I, I would give that like it a six. It sounded right, but it sounded like he wasn't sure, and <laughs> Macho Man was always sure. He like looked at the cue card and was like, oh yeah? <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, Macho Man was always sure. Okay, so if you have listened to us before, um, then you know that we do spoil 
if you haven't, now you do know that. Um, so go out and watch the movie um, before we continue on. I'll do a quick little kind of non-specific synopsis, um, just so you know the background of the film. So in The Princess Bride, a grandfather, played by Peter Falk, visits his sick grandson, which is Fred Savage, uh, to read him a family favorite book about pirates, revenge, kidnapping, giants, sword fights, true love, and other miracles. It is a great movie. It is one of my 1,000% extra super favorites. Um, and yeah, basically, it's kind of a swashbuckling kind of action-adventure medieval romance story with a frame story uh, of a grandfather and his grandson. And that's great. Well, and I, I just want to say, going back to these toys, okay, this is, I got a one-track mind, I tell you. You know, a kid in the 80s growing up, you know, the bedroom that Fred Savage has is just like the bedroom of mine and all my friends. They had toys everywhere. <laughs> there were all these, like, uh, He-Man, Masters of the Universe figures right behind him. Yes. Of course, he had He-Man, okay? And then he also had this brown, furry creature from the He-Man Masters of the Universe collection. This brown, furry man. I believe he's part of the Evil Horde. And he wore this big red bat on his chest. And his name was Grizzlor. <laughs> yeah. That's a ridiculous name. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. There you go. There right. you go. Back in the saddle. I, I feel redeemed. I feel redeemed. Macho Man is smiling down from heaven. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's hanging out with Betty White. She just got there last week. They're chilling. It's good times. I think that's perfect. I mean, I, I love that. Like, Macho Man is with the Golden Girls. Yes. They're on a heavenly lanai right now. Oh, wow. That's yeah. great. Eating cheesecake. Cheesecake, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, one more toy for the He-Man. Get this. There was also a toy from the He-Man Masters of the Universe collection, and his face was like a, like a suction cup, and his hands and feet were like suction cups, and his name was Leech. Ooh, gross. He, he was also part of the Evil Horde. I know nothing about He-Man. I mean, I saw that I knew what He-Man looked like. I think that I saw a He-Man toy one time where it looked like his breastplate would like rotate to yes. show that he got hurt or something. That's correct. Yes. he. I, I can't remember. Maybe like battle damage He-Man. Yes. You would hit him. Like, yeah. So you could have three settings. One was the plate was intact. And then you tap it once and then it would spin. And then there would be like one like, I don't know, sword axe like cut mark in it. You push it again, and then there would be two. Oh, wow. So this was super amazing, because I, you would be having realistic battles with your toys. That's you know? cool. Yeah, no, I probably saw somebody else who had that, mm -hmm. um, and I just thought it was super cool, but I have no context, because I didn't watch, really, He-Man on TV, and I didn't really know anything about it. It's... A great Until many show. years later in my life. But I know you're a big He-Man guy. Oh, it was so good. when we cleaned the toys out of your mom's uh, attic, we had so many He-Man stuff yeah. in there. We had all of it. 
And I mean, again, going back to that bedroom, the, the thing about talking about, you know, it's around Christmas time. I mean, he had, you know, how many Santas in his room? Yeah, there was, a, well, he had one Santa on the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm um, his closet to look like a construction paper thing. Yeah, one behind him. Mm-hmm. And then there were like candy canes, yeah. right? Or like like maybe like paper mache candy cane. They were big. And you caught that when his mom opened his window, mm-hmm. that you could see the two houses across the street had Christmas lights yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I mean there there's like there's like a lot. And that also I think Peter Falk when he comes in the book is like kind of wrapped up in paper. Ooh. Almost like it's a gift. But I never thought about this as a Christmas movie. I never did either. I mean, it's such a nice story. It's a great love story that's also an action story. Yeah, there's everything in this. Mm-hmm. I think the reason I didn't think about it as a Christmas movie at all mm-hmm. is probably because I just never limited myself to watching this at a certain time of year. Yeah. Um, I picked this movie because it is really my favorite movie of all time, I think I would say. I know that that's big words, because, you know, we watch a lot of movies around sure here. Do. yeah. Um, but this particular movie has so much nostalgia for me. Um, after my parents, my parents got divorced when I was around 12, and my dad, after, like, within six months to a year or so was dating this person, Sally, who he had known from college. So they kind of reconnected. And when my dad would come and pick us up for the weekend, um, cause we spent every other weekend with him, mm-hmm. I think after he had moved away, um, so he and my mom got divorced. Then he moved after about six months and then we would have to travel to go see him. So he would come pick us up and we would go drive to where, he had been assigned because he was a minister. So he was at a new church and it was about two hours away from where we lived with my mom. And in between there was Jackson, which is where his girlfriend lived. So we would always stop and go to dinner with Sally on Friday night and then go over to her house for a few hours after. And she had this movie on videotape. Nice. Um, and basically, she's the one who said, oh, you you should watch this movie to me and my sisters. You'll like it. Huh. Well, my sisters would be, you know, asleep within like five minutes because they fell asleep all the time. They're like little narcoleptics. <laughs> um, but I was sitting there on the couch because my dad and Sally would just go be hanging out and talking in the other room or something. And I was watching this movie. And she put it on because... Um, she had a crush on Carrie Elwes, who plays Wesley, and I think that she thought I probably would too. So I think she picked this because I was like 12 or 13, um, and probably everyone had a crush on Wesley that watched this movie, um, except me, because as we all know, I don't like blondes. <laughs> um, sorry, Carrie Elwes. You got enough people. I I actually prefer the swarthy type. So little tiny twelve year old Georgia had a huge crush on Anigo Montoya. He's the coolest dude. He's <laughs> like as old as my parents. Older than my mom, probably. But yeah, so I'm like this little thirteen year old kid who's like got a crush on Mandy Patinkin, for goodness sakes. 
Um, but no regrets. Inigo Montoya is the greatest character. Oh, man, um, I yeah. Just, he's so great, and that was probably part of the reason that I wanted to watch this movie over and over. Um, but I also just loved it, and it was just so magical and fun in a time when I probably wasn't very happy, um, generally, because my parents had gotten divorced, my dad's dating someone new, it's like a weird thing, um, to be going through when you're that age, because when you're that age, you're already a mess anyway, yeah. and then you have all this other emotionally traumatizing and challenging stuff going on, and I saw this movie, and I just fell in love with it, and every time we would go to Sally's, I would be like, well, you just put on The Princess Bride, I'll watch it again, so I probably watched it, you know, 20 times <laughs> in the course of a year, or maybe even more, and to this day, I would pretty much watch this any time uh, that it was on. If it was, you know, if I don't know what I want to watch, this is kind of a good bet. Just like, oh, what do I want to watch today? Well, if I can't think of anything else, I will watch The Princess Bride. It never gets old. It doesn't. I, I don't think this movie ever gets old. No. And I also want to say, Sally's pretty awesome. <laughs> For having this VHS tape. Because she could have had like a really terrible movie. Like that could have been like the one thing you had to keep you company. No, I think she's kind of a... She had probably a lot of things. Because she had a daughter. She had like a little daughter. Okay. Um, So she probably had like a lot of Disney movies and things like that. But Sally herself was, if I remember correctly, into like real Renaissance Fair kind of stuff. Okay. Anyway. Um. So I'm sure that that was part of the reason that she liked this because it was this, you know, swashbuckling adventure, princesses, pirates, all this kind of stuff. So it kind of made sense for her to like this. And I really liked it as well. And it, it's everything about it appealed to me. Um, the adventure stuff, the romance stuff, mm -hmm. um, even the frame story probably with the grandparent because my grandparents my mom's parents were very important to me um and just the happy ending yeah the friendships it's not even just the romance but like the relationships between all the characters and really definitely the humor this movie has humor like no other movie yeah very 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 funny and i just i loved it i adored it um, it really appealed to me, and it still continues to this day. So, that's my story. So, when did you first see this movie? You know, this is funny, because usually I am fantastic with this. <laughs> I have been racking my brain, you know, ever since we, we talked about we were going to do this. And I'm like, when did you see this, John? So, I can go through a process of elimination with you. I did not see this at the theater. This is the type of movie that, if I saw it, Okay, I would have been like Fred Savage in the movie. I Yeah, like totally I would have been like Fred Savage like, in the movie. Like, is this a kissing movie? Yeah, like, is this a kissing movie? Like, <laughs> what exactly is this? This looked like um, just the font. I felt like it would be a, a soap opera or something that was, I, I don't know, geared to to girls my age. You know, yeah. like boys weren't like, yeah, I'm going to go watch this romance. Well, Though I have to say, like, you're 100% right, because the very opening 
of the inside story, I guess we'll call it, like the where Wesley and Buttercup are falling in love initially, is very just straight romance. And yeah. I kind of felt the same way. I was like, oh boy. It's just, just a movie about this blonde girl falling in love with this blonde guy. Yeah. Like, whatever. That Look, I mean, you, you know, I, I wasn't really feeling it. And so, in my head, I'm like, did you see it on television? Did you see it at a friend's house? There's part of me that thinks that I rented this. Because I would rent everything. And, like, let's be honest. You know how many movies I've watched... I got to the point where I was just like, all right, let's give this a go. And that's <laughs> that's how I think this came to be. But for me, I, I liked this movie from not the beginning of the movie. Because, again, I'm with you. I, I see, you know... The, the romance, and it's nice, but it just wasn't for me at that time. Well, you also, know? you don't know what's happening. When, no. Because it really starts with Fred Savage being sick and yeah. bad, and his grandfather shows up, and he's like, I'm going to read you the story. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? And then he starts reading it, and you go to like just the Buttercup and Wesley falling in love. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like anything is happening. And that's, no. I don't know, the first ten minutes of the movie. Well, the things that, that got me interested were things that weren't the point of the story like for instance i've already talked a lot about the toys and also he had like a bag of cheetos behind his bed and <laughs> there was like captain america and you know he had like i think he has like a ferrari he he had a lot of great stuff in his room yeah he had like a, a fridge poster you his, know his room really made me think of like people's room like boys rooms that yeah. i've been into like we used to hang out we would end up hanging out a lot with other preachers kids because mm -hmm. my dad would go and visit with his preacher friends yeah and then we would end up in their rooms and there was uh, a guy that we knew named howard and he had like a stepson mm -hmm. who uh, had gone in his room and it's like identical to yeah. this it was it, just they like the 80s it. boy room they nailed it they nailed it for the 80s boy room you know you, you have your your team little flag up you know what i mean it was like you know he had something i think for the bears, bears in his yeah. room and then, like, Refrigerator Perry. Yeah. I don't remember when the Super Bowl Shuffle song came out. Do you remember this? Yes. You know, a bunch of... It must of, have been around that time. Yeah, it's just, like, a bunch of football players just shuffling back and forth, you know, kind of talk singing. I wouldn't say they really sang it. Yeah, it was but, more like chanting. Yeah, and they were, like, saying they were here to do the Super Bowl Shuffle. That's... And that was, like, the big thing. And everybody would get really excited when this video would come on television. <laughs> well, this was 87, end of 87 when this came out. Yeah. And I didn't actually see this until later. I would have probably been watching it in 1990, 1991. Yeah. Um, so, but you probably, you could have seen it before me, really. I, I think that I most likely 19. saw it when I was probably, I'd say probably around 14. You know, I oh, think wow, okay. I got 13, 14. That sounds so the same about around right me then, 91, 92, 91. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. And I, you know, I really enjoyed the grandfather coming in to tell a story mm -hmm. because growing up, you know, my dad would always come in and tell me stories before bed and they were great. Yeah. So it was like we had that hook from the beginning. I was yeah. like, okay, the grandfather's cool. He's reading him a story. The kid's home sick from school. 
I'm like, okay, you know, I see the toys. I'm like, okay, this kind of reminds me of, of my room, you yeah, know? Yeah, well, and Fred Savage was probably a little too old, really, to be, you know, having his grandfather tell him a story. But he's sick. Yeah. So you would regress a little bit and say, well, maybe I will just, you know, lay here and listen to somebody tell me a story, yeah. even though that's like a little kid thing. Um and I loved that. Fred Savage was, like, super real in this. And he was kind of big time at the time I watched this anyway. It would have been, like, when The Wonder Years was a big deal. Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. That was a great show. Yeah. And Wonder I loved Years. that show. So I would have been like, oh, wow, it's Kevin from The Wonder Years. Yeah. Great yeah. show. It was I mean, good. It was I, good. And so, like, I saw this show. This show. I saw the movie The Princess Bride. And as I went through... I just got more and more interested. I am a huge fan of swordplay. And the fight between Inigo Montoya and Wesley is really just my kind of jam right there. Yeah. And it seems like they base this on the old Errol Flynn movies. Yes. Because you see Carrie Elwes and he favors Errol Flynn. That's the best part of the movie for me. Yeah. And then you had fantastic villains. And then Inigo Montoya really had to find this person that killed his father and take him out. Yeah. And you could really, really relate to him. He had so much charisma mm-hmm. and just passion about, like, he had to, like, fulfill his quest. And it was super awesome. Well, my favorite person in the whole movie is Fezzik. Because he's such an upbeat character. Oh my god, he's the most wholesome character in this, any movie ever. This gentle giant. And I love him. I love everything that he does. And he's just a good man. Like, he's like, I don't know, he seems like the best uncle in the world, you know? <laughs> like, you're like, okay. Well, he's just so funny. Like, at the, you know, I, I wanted to mention this at some point. I'll mention it now. Mm-hmm. The relationship between Inigo and Fezzik is maybe the best thing in this movie. As far as, like, character interaction goes. Yeah. Because they almost have, like, the shared trauma of working for Vizzini, who's, mm-hmm. like, a total jerk. Um, he's and he really bullies them, um, even though he's this tiny little kind of man. Um, but he, he pushes them around really bad. And mm-hmm. the two of them are just so pure together. And Inigo just encourages Fezzik to be the best he can be. He says he's good at rhyming, so he encourages him to rhyme. Yeah, I love that. I love the rhyming. And then, of course, later on, Fezzik comes in when Inigo is, like, drinking again and completely lost and kind of shapes him up and gets him back focused on the task. Yeah. Um, So they're just really good for each other. And, you know, for me, that's, like, the better love story, even than Buttercup and Wesley is the... Inigo and Fezzik friendship love story. It's like a buddy cop movie <laughs> but, yeah. in the days of of fairy tales and castles. Yeah, it, it's a very strong thing that they've got, and I, I love it. And the other thing that I liked about the movie, and we've talked about this before, is we had extremely strong villains. Yes. Humperdink, horrible. He is very evil. Rugen, Count Rugen. Oh, he's, he's scary. Terrifying. Yeah. I was like, why is this guy in the movie? He's like not with the program. He's too creepy. Which is crazy because Christopher Guest is not 
to me a scary person. Like I try to think of anything else Christopher Guest was in. Mm-hmm. I've never been scared of him, but Count Rugen is freaking scary. Yeah, he really takes He's so it, evil. He takes it all the way. Like you want to see Count Rugen perish. Yeah. He's, you know? He's vile. Yeah, and I mean, he's oh, really a sadist. He's a horrible human being, and he just keeps saying horrible stuff, yeah. doing worse stuff. Yeah, he's 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 a nightmare, and I mean, Christopher Guest kills it. Yeah, um, I did read a funny story that I had mentioned to you earlier, that in the trivia for this movie it says that when they had a party um, celebrating rap of this movie mm-hmm. and Christopher Guest was there, Rob Reiner was confused because he forgot that Christopher Guest was in the movie <laughs> because Christopher Guest just buries himself so deeply into character yeah. that uh, Rob Reiner just kind of forgot <laughs> that he was even in it. I can believe it. I mean, I can too because Count Rugen is terrifying and I never think of it as being Christopher Guest. Like I have to no. remind myself that that's who it is yeah i i just it doesn't ever connect with me either yeah it's uh, and then by the end again like fred savage i was happy about the love story i was happy that it all worked out you know with them and i was like they have to be together they have to be you know there's a part that i heard this time that i don't think i'd ever heard before where you know it's right when they're about to storm the castle Mm -hmm. um Fezzik, Inigo, and Wesley, and they're they're walking away. This is after they figure out all the stuff that they needed to do this plan, and Fezzik says something like, hey, Inigo, I'm really excited for when we win later. <laughs> it's so great. I mean, I just, you have to love Fezzik. He's, a, he's just the best. I like it when he's throwing rocks at Wesley, and he's like, I don't even work out. <laughs> yeah, I can't like, do I don't even exercise. No, I don't even exercise. I'm just like this. Oh, he's great. And he doesn't want to just hit him with a rock because it would be unsportsmanlike. <laughs> it's, yeah, and his strength is on display the entire movie. Yeah. yeah. Which I love. Yeah, I love Fezzik. He's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's almost a toss-up for me. If he's the best character to me or if it's an ego, but I have to uh, stay loyal to an ego. An ego <laughs> is just so good. Yeah, Mandy Patinkin is perfect in this movie. He couldn't be better. No, when he... The, one of the parts I really like is when he finally sees Count Rugen in the castle. And, you know, Rugen has these guards and he dispatches them in an instant and he does this insane move where he kind of jumps and then he goes down into like the lowest lunge squat you've ever seen to take out the last guy do you know what i'm talking about yes and you're like wow yeah and then he goes you know my name is anigo montoya you killed my father prepare to die and he's like in a combat stance and Count Rugen just takes half a second and then just runs. Yeah. He, <laughs> he just, just turns and runs. It's great because Inigo <laughs> has rehearsed that line for his entire, you know, life. Yeah. Since his father was killed. And it's like this moment where he finally gets to say it. And it's going to be this like big thing because then they're going to fight. But then Rugen just runs away. Paces right out. <laughs> and it's kind of ridiculous and funny. I mean, that's that's the kind of humor that's on this movie that I love. Yeah. Um, oh, such a such a good stuff. Yeah, and the 
just going back to the sword fighting scene, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned that you thought it kind of was modeled on like the Errol Flynn type thing. And I was actually reading about it today, and that's correct. So okay. they did kind of model it on, on, on these old kind of swashbuckling type sword fights and movies. Mm-hmm. And it's all Carrie Elwes and Mandy Patinkin. There's only one thing, wow. I think, that they had a stunt person do. Um, which I think is probably that big flip mm-hmm. that Wesley does. Um, but other than that, it's those guys. Um, wow. They rehearsed it. They worked on it every spare minute. And you can tell because it's so well done. I mean, there's no half speed no. junk going on here. I mean, they're fast. They're super fast. They're super athletic. It's like dancing. Very yeah. much like dancing, and it's just so well done. And they both have such enthusiasm, and the banter in the scene is so great. But I was, yeah, I was reading that you know they worked on it with these fight coordinator guys who who had worked with like a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. And the first time they showed it to Rob Reiner, he was like, "Yeah, it's good, but I want it to be longer." <laughs> so <laughs> they had to go back and add like another three minutes or something oh, to wow. what they initially had. Um, and they did it by just watching these old movies, coming up with more moves, you know, and just building and building and building, which, again, super obvious, because this is maybe, in my opinion, the best word fighting scene in any movie ever. It's, I mean, when I think of sword fighting, I think of this movie. Yeah, I do too. I mean, this is it. It's, it's kind of like, it makes you think of like that Jackie Chan, like dancing style super fast fighting mm-hmm. that's kind of like Gene Kelly dancing mixed with fighting. I mean, it's it's just so amazingly well done. It's so precise. Yeah, it's very precise. And and again, the banter and the the exchange that they're having verbally is just as strong as the action, the sword fighting action. It all goes together and just forms this perfect scene. Well, and it's, they are putting an effort. You do see that, especially in some different, you know, lunges, thrusts, blocks. But for the most part, they're able to carry on like a casual dialogue (laughs) as they perform these beyond complicated moves. Yeah. And well, and they're both, what I loved about it is like, they're fighting each other, but they're like super supportive of each other (laughs) at the same time. Yeah. Like they are impressing each other with their style. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're getting to, you know, I mean, this is the whole thing that Inigo explains is that he's been studying sword fighting for his whole life. His father was the guy who made swords. And when Count Rugen killed his father, he like set his life path as becoming the best sword fighter possible. Mm -hmm. He studied, he practiced, he did all this stuff. So you're like the top expert in your field, and then you meet this other person who is also a top expert, and it's like you get to show what you know to this person, and they show what they know to you, and it's just, you know, they both are just glorying in that moment that they get to observe another master because it's something that's so rare yeah, for them to be able to appreciate. And I love that. It's brilliant. Yeah. Just it's... like everything else in this movie, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. We watched this movie once, 
like a week ago. And then we knew we were going to talk about it for the podcast. And we were like, oh, maybe we should just watch it again. <laughs> and we did. And it was great. And you know what? Wasn't bored nope. once. Nope. Still found new things. I mean, honestly, that's the story of my life. It's like, oh, I just watched this last week. Mm, all right, I can watch it again. That's fine. No problem. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But yeah, so, I mean, we talked about the sword fighting scene. It's it's almost hard to pick. That is my favorite scene. I think it's yours, too. Oh, yeah. But even still, it's just so hard to pick out a favorite scene in this movie because there are so many scenes that are great. Yeah. And they just strike you as great at different times. Like, every time I watch this, there's something that I like better than I liked it before. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're in the fire swamp, that scene is crazy. When I was a little kid... Um, I used to try to hold my breath as long as Buttercup had to. Oh, wow. When she goes into the lightning sand. Okay. So she falls into it. I think that I could, I think that I used to be able to hold my breath as long as Wesley has to hold his. Wow. But now, too old, can't do it. Well, that whole scene (laughs) and the fire swamp, I mean... The, the rodents of unusual size. Oh, gosh, size. they're so gross. Yeah, I mean, that that is... <laughs> it's like, I don't think that the rodents of unusual size are real, and then, like, the one Immediately gets Immediately it attacks them. And, well, and it's funny, it's like, so that you get that beat right there and you laugh, and then this rodent is, like, fierce and yeah. chews him up. I know, it's terrifying. I mean, that's really the thing that, like, breaks them in the fire swamp. Yeah. You know, yes, they catch on fire. Yes, they fall into the lightning sand. But, you know, just when they think they figured it out, here comes the rodent of unusual size and really, really attacks Wesley and bites the heck out of him. Well, it goes from being funny to being frightening. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, is he actually going to take this rodent or is the rodent going to take him yeah i mean there's a lot of suspense there i mean obviously i've seen this movie like three billion times now so no i know what's going to happen but it still is there you know that's the adventure element that this really still has and it's but there are many right it's there are is it i know it's r-o-u-s is it rodents of unusual size or just rodent of unusual size well that particular one is just a rodent but there are rodents of unusual size within the fire swamp so there you know there could have been multiple oh, you know man. while he's fighting that one another one could have showed up oh we don't, we don't, man so that would have been that would have been bad. <laughs> I don't I don't know if he could have made it out of that one. Well, and there's a dramatic irony because we as viewers have already seen a rodent of unusual size when they were in the lightning sand. Mm-hmm. So, when they get out of the sand, Wesley says, "Oh, we're almost out of here. You know, we know how the fire works. We know how the lightning sand works. We can avoid those." And then Buttercup says, but what about the rodents of unusual size? He's like, oh, I don't think they exist. Well, we know they do because we've already seen one stumbling around. Yeah. And we know what could happen if they run into it. And then, poop, immediately it shows up. One of the other scenes that I like a lot is when Buttercup pushes Wesley down the hill. Yes. And then she realizes it's Wesley. Yeah. And so then she jumps down the hill to follow him. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's a really good that's so funny well because he was really giving it to her like before he was yelling and he's being real about jerk. to slap her yeah, that was out of control yeah that was pretty weird um yeah. i didn't think anything of it back in the day but now i'm like ooh. um yeah but you know he feels betrayed because before he left to go seek his fortune and then he was going to come back and marry her he, you know, said he would always come back for her, and they have true love, and da 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 da, da. Mm. So, for her to have just accepted that he was dead and move on to marry somebody else, he's pretty mad about it. I mean, he's infuriated. Yeah. And that scene is, like, him showing that. Um, but, yeah, I thought he was pushing it pretty far. But yeah. And so, when she pushes him, I was like, oh, he kind of deserves that. I thought it was good when she pushed him. I <laughs> yeah. was like, nice. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, but again, it's like he's the dread pirate Roberts at that point. Is he just playing the character? And I'm like, no, he is just being Yeah, he's kind abusive. of stabbing her a little yeah. bit with it because yeah. he's still mad. Yeah. Well, he got burned, but I mean, I I think he's being unrealistic. Yeah. Because, I mean, of course she thought, she thought he was dead. Yeah. Why would she not think he was dead? And what he's saying doesn't make any sense, so... I'm on her team. I'm team Buttercup there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that was really funny when she jumps down the hill, too. <laughs> uh, the push. I like, yeah, that whole part is just funny. It's they're, funny. They're a great team. They're such a great couple. Yeah. And that's, you know, when you see them together at the end, again, and they're like, this is, of all the kisses in the world and history, this was the best one. That's a terrible <laughs> paraphrase. put all of them to shame or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you were like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're really happy for them to be together in the end. And, um, you know, they've just gone through so much, but it was worth it. And, you know, they made these friends along the way, which is great, too. Yeah. And, you know, the thought is that he's going to be able to retire from being the Dread Pirate Roberts and maybe Inigo's going to take over, mm -hmm. which would be the perfect job for him. Um, you know, and Fezzik can probably join him. So, you know, you just get the feeling that they're going to go on and have like these great happily ever afters yeah. that really work out. And that's our favorite thing. Hope. We love hope. <laughs> well, here's one that doesn't have anything to do with hope. But another scene that I would like to mention is Count Rugen and Humperdinck mm. uh, when they're in they're They're in the uh... they're going down to the pit of despair. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about because we were both dying laughing about this scene this time. Um, yeah, they're going down into the pit of despair to check on Wesley. So they've got Wesley prisoner. They're using, Count Rugen's using this torture machine on him and kind of studying the effects of the torture. And, you know, they're just talking about, oh, well, maybe you can come and check it out. And it turns into kind of this workplace discussion. <laughs> <laughs> where Humperdinck is like, you know, I have so much to do right now. I, you know, I had to frame my fiancé to be kidnapped, um, make everyone think that it was Gilder. I have to get her killed this week. I'm swamped. <laughs> and Cal Rugen's like, basically like, oh, sure, I get it. You know, take care of yourself if you don't have your health. You don't have anything. <laughs> and it was just so funny. Oh, so funny. And does he call Does he call Count Rugen by his first name there? I Because I thought he called he might, him something. And I was like, wait. And I didn't go back. You would think I would remember, but I don't. Yeah. 
No, I mean, he probably does. I thought he said Tyrone. Yeah, no, you're right. He you're calls right. him Tyrone. Yeah, so that that's pretty good. That's <laughs> pretty good. It's just so good. And Chris Sarandon is unbelievably perfect. I mean, I think that, you know, probably goes without saying to say that the casting in this movie is really perfect. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm using the word perfect too much, but I can't help it because this movie is perfect and the casting is perfect and the story is perfect and everything is perfect. But really, this movie couldn't be what it is without this cast. And I'm talking every single person. Well, Billy Crystal. We haven't talked about Billy Crystal we as Miracle Max. We haven't talked about Wallace Shawn We haven't talked Bassini. about Carol Kane as Valerie. Yes, we haven't talked about... Yeah, we haven't gone into all the things that... You know, I could spend 12 hours talking about this movie because I love it so much. But yeah, the Miracle Max scene... So strong. ...is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I don't think I appreciated it as much when I was younger. I've grown to appreciate it more since I've gotten older. And it's Billy Crystal is just like improvising probably, you know, 90% of the scene. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's hilarious. And Carol Kane is right there with them. She doesn't miss a beat. No. She's so good. And she always ends up with these kind of like male comedian or comic heavyweights, you know, yes. like, I mean, like Bill Murray and Scrooged or, um, on taxi, Latka. Yes. Yeah. Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. But no, I, I think that scene with Miracle Max and Valerie is so funny. Mm-hmm. And I think that I read that, uh, Rob Reiner had to like stop and leave for a little while. Cause he laughed so hard. He not, he got nauseated. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but yeah, Billy Crystal is, I mean, he doesn't stop. Like, I don't even know how he keeps a straight face. No, I don't either, because he is just so funny. It's amazing. Yeah, I love that scene. I love him. Like, when I was younger, I used to watch his stand-up. Anything he was in, I was on top of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was on TV all the time, and he was a he was perfect. Yeah, awesome. Um, and he's great in this. Again, couldn't be, couldn't have this movie without him. And, uh, I mean, yeah, let's go back and talk about Vizzini. All right, let's do it. Okay, I mean, Vizzini, Wallace Shawn, amazingly funny. So, when I first saw this movie when I was a kid, I really did not like Vizzini. Mm-hmm. He irritated me to death. Yeah. He would be yelling inconceivable. I would be getting so mad. <laughs> I could see this. I could picture I just, young you, you can, yeah, I was just, just on fire. Yeah. I hated Vizzini. He was mean to Inigo and Fezzik. You yeah. know how I feel about people who were mean. I felt the same way. I was like, what are you doing? But now that dickhead? I'm... He was. He was such a jerk. He was the worst. But now that I'm older, I can really appreciate that Wallace Shawn's performance here is so great and so funny. And the things that he's saying... I mean, like, I think probably... I laugh the hardest at his lines, which is saying something. Yeah. Because picking favorite lines in this is, like, almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just the lines. It's, like, the exchanges. Like, it's so quick. And for, for me this time, the two of the things that stick out are when he's just giving the business to Fezzik and Inigo. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, um, 
when they're on the ship and they've just kidnapped Buttercup. And he's, like, yelling at <laughs> Fezzik. And he says, And you, friendless, brainless, helpless, hopeless, do you want me to send you back to where you were? Unemployed in Greenland? And it's <laughs> just, the way he says it is so funny. And then my second part with him is when he's having the battle of wits with Wesley, which is a ridiculous, hilarious scene. Yeah. And <laughs> Wesley's like, oh, I had no idea you were so smart. And he's like, let me put it this way. Have you heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yeah. Morons. <laughs> I love him in this so much. He's perfect. He hits the tone on the head so hard. I just, I can't say enough how funny it is. And yeah, I mean, that goes back to just the script. I mean, William Goldman is a great writer. Um, he also wrote the book of this, which is amazingly hilarious too. Unbelievably never, I never read this until like the last year. I still never read it. It's, you gotta read it. Yeah, it's, I do. It's not exactly the same as the movie, um, but it's got the same sense of humor. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the same kind of a frame story. Like basically, instead of it being like about a grandpa reading the, the book to his son, it's about him, William Goldman, saying, I had this book that my father read to me, and I wanted to give it to my son, and I've tried to find it, and it's out of print, and blah, 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 blah. And my son, you know, finally got it, and he went to all this trouble to get it, and he gave it to his son, and his son thought it was boring. Ooh. And just put it to the side and never read past the first chapter. Okay. So he, William Goldman, says, well, I decided to rewrite it and adapt it, so I, I only wrote the good parts. So he's, like, cut. But then he, like, digresses and tells you all the things he's cutting out, and it's very funny. I mean, we're the king and queen of digression over here. We sure are. So we would, you would love this book. It's a very good book. But the screenplay of this is so good. And there's so many quotable lines and just memorable lines. I just, it's, it's, well, I mean, I read in trivia also that, like, Mandy Matinkin says that, like, pretty much every day of his life, somebody comes up to him and says, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. And he loves it. How could you not He's love like, it? it never gets old. He doesn't, he doesn't want people to stop. He always wants this to be happening because he loves it so much. That is a great story. It is great. I really, really like that. And one of the things, too, and I think we talked about this, not on here, but we, we talked about it earlier, was there's like this coitus interruptus, you know, with the story. Because, you know, there'll be <laughs> the first kiss that we get after <laughs> Wesley and Buttercup are back together. And then, you know, Fred Savage is like, I don't want to hear that grandpa. Let's go to the fire swamp. And he just looks, he's like, okay. And then he skips ahead. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then we also have that when Buttercup is in the water, the, the screeching eels, because they screech right before they attack. And so the grandfather's reading it. And then he's like, oh, this is, I see you're concerned. Maybe I'll skip ahead. Yeah. And, you know, and we break out of it. So it's like these great moments of tension yeah. that are created 
by the the story being broken and bringing us back to the frame story. Yeah. It makes the kiss at the end of the film, you know, all the more powerful because at the very end of the book, you know, Wesley and Buttercup kiss again and the grandfather just stops abruptly. He's like, I, you don't want to hear that. And then Fred Savage is like, it's okay. It's okay now. This part's okay. He's like, like, okay. I guess it'll be okay this once. Yeah, right? And so he goes, and then he reads, you know, the ending. And then we, the audience, see them in this kiss. And it's the best kiss of all time. And it's wonderful. It's so satisfying. It's like the circle is complete. Yeah. And then, I mean, since I'm talking about the frame story, he's like... The grandfather's like, okay, I'll let you rest now. And he goes to leave. And Fred Savage's like, Grandpa, can you come back tomorrow? You know, and we can do this again. And the grandfather turns and he goes, as you wish. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Which is like Wesley's big line, as you wish. Right. Um, to Buttercup all the time. Yeah. And yeah, it's so great. And, you know, we are, well, I know, speaking for myself anyway, I am so Fred Savage in that moment. Because I'm like, can I watch this again tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just, it's such a great story that you could just keep going back and you never feel like it gets old. No. Um, Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Again, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did we have other, did you have other lines that you wanted to call out? I would say, uh, (laughs) if it was a wheelbarrow, we would have something. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. When they're talking about storming the castle and it's it's so funny because Wesley is lying there. He just took the miracle pill. He's been mostly dead all day. Mostly dead. Love it. (laughs) And he can't. uh, He's he's hardly able to move. Um, And then he twitches his pinky finger and every movement that he makes, Fezzik is excited. He's like, oh, you shook your head a little bit, you know, and Wesley's like, I'm supposed to get excited about that, you know, because they're supposed to be storming the castle. And he's like, what do they have? You know, what's our, what does he say? I don't know. He's like, what do we have for resources or whatever? And they're just like, um, nothing, you know, my sword, your smarts and Fezzik's strength. And he's like, oh no, we can't do anything with that. And then he says, if only we had a wheelbarrow. And then, of course, they do have a wheelbarrow. Well, why didn't you list that? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, now, if only we had a Holocaust cloak. And Fezzik whips out this cloak that he brought from Miracle Max because it fits so nicely that Miracle Max said he could keep it. Um, That's a really great scene. Well, it's just like, that is the brilliance of this. I mean, if you just hear the line of, I mean, if we only had a wheelbarrow, that would be something. Yeah. You would be like, oh, I don't I don't get it. But it's just, oh, man, it's yeah. perfect. It's great. And I mean, something I think that we both noticed more this time, which I, I mean, I'm sure I'd noticed it before, but it just rang out to me this time, is all of the, like, nasty little things that Wesley says about Humperdinck. (laughs) Like, I don't think I realized, I mean, we talked about the scene, you know, right before Buttercup pushes him down the hill where Wesley is just being really mean. Um, But he's super jealous of Humperdinck. And I don't think I really realized that Mm -hmm. because we see that we know that Buttercup loves Wesley and she doesn't care about Humperdinck whatsoever. 
But Wesley is still very unsure about that at the, at the beginning. And he continues to kind of be jealous, I think, of Humperdinck and says such crap things to him. Like, he's like, oh, you know, who was the other person you're engaged to? Another prince like this one? Ugly, rich, and scabby. <laughs> <laughs> and then later when he's telling Humperdinck he's going to, you know, fight him to the pain, not to the death. Right. Um, he calls him a, a warthog-faced buffoon pig <laughs> and the way he says pig is so disgusted it's great and then you and me died laughing today because he called him a miserable vomitous mass it's perfect uh, well, i'm on the perfect train now i can't stop i don't know what else to say superlative there's no other Stupendous. word excellent we need roger's thesaurus to get us through and oh what I was going to say about that scene where he's saying this stuff to him about word hog face buffoon, blah, blah, is he can't actually fight him at that moment because he's still so recovering from his being mostly dead all yeah. day. So these words are, they have to be strong enough to kind of win the battle for him. Mm -hmm. And it works. So it's interesting. I want my father back, you son of a bitch. Oh, so good. I mean, that that's when... We have uh, Anigo Montoya fighting Count Rugen, and he's got him. You know, he's got Count Rugen. He's disarmed him at this point, and he's just, you know, he's cut his face the same way that Count Rugen cut Anigo's face when he was 11 years old after he killed Anigo's father. Yes. And he's like, you know, tell me that you'll give me everything that I want. And he's like, I'll give you anything that you want. And he goes, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And then he kills him. It's so oh, satisfying. It is. So that whole scene like, is really impressive to me. From the beginning, um, Inigo finally catches up with Count Rugen. And the minute that he enters the room, Rugen throws a dagger and gets Inigo right in the stomach. Yeah. And we are just crushed at that moment because he's been trying to get revenge this whole time. And this Rugen jerk gets the jump on him. And Inigo initially at that moment thinks it's over too. And says like, I'm sorry, father. I failed you. Oof. And Rugen, the jerk that he is, is like, oh, have you been chasing after me? Trying to get revenge since you were a child? That's the worst thing I've ever heard. That's marvelous. And, oh, what a scumbag. Yeah, the slime just oozes out of him. <laughs> he's, he's so awful. icy, cold, calculating, detached. This man has serious, serious problems. He's a full-on sadist. He is yeah. evil. Yeah. And at that moment, like, Inigo's just, you know the the spirit of his father kind of visits him and he just gets that second wind and goes after Rugen and just starts repeating his phrase hello my name is Nigo Montoya you killed my father prepare to die and he just keeps saying it and saying it and that passion of that kind of is disturbing to Rugen it's like the one thing that he can't fight yeah you know, because he doesn't have that heat. He doesn't have that. It's just like you said, he's like this cold, heartless person. 
So this heart, he can't combat that. And that's what kind of gives Inigo the edge to finally um, go over it. And it doesn't sound like much out of context, but that moment when he says, I want my father back, you son of a bitch, and then kills him is like just so heavy and amazing. It's, it's so great. Well, because we feel wonderful that justice has been served. And we also feel wonderful that Count Rugen can't do any more damage to anyone else. Yeah, because he's been hurting our favorite people. Like, he was hurting Wesley. He was hurting, you know, he killed Inigo's father. I mean, this guy's crap. He's been awful. You know, he's been uh, helping Humperdinck mistreat Buttercup. You know, so he's like a huge villain just as much as Humperdinck is. Um, and it's great to see him get his comeuppance. It sure is. Yeah. Did you have any other kind of different reactions to the movie this time? Anything that I that I feel differently, I think is just like a a, a rekindling of the flame that I have, the passion that I have for this film. Yeah. And I always remember it as a film that I like very much. And when I go back, it feels that like I'm seeing it. It feels like I'm seeing it for the first time every time. Yeah, it is amazingly fresh. And when we watched it the first time of the last two times we watched it in the last week, I hadn't, I felt like I haven't seen it for a really long time. Yeah. And I just was smiling like the whole time I was watching it because it's just like something almost like going home, you know, it just feels so comfortable to be watching this movie again and just, you know, loving it so much. It's like putting on your favorite old sweater or t-shirt that you've had for, you know, the last 30 years since you were a little kid or something and still fits. That's a perfect way to put it. I mean, this movie is all about love. And love conquers all, whether that be the love between friends, whether that be the love between a couple yes. that becomes, you know, married at the end, whether it be, I mean, even, even Miracle Max is going to have love come back into his life from yeah. this. He and Valerie, because Max was feeling terrible because he felt like he didn't have the juice anymore. Yeah, because Humperdinck fired him. Yeah, he didn't. He felt like he didn't have any skills that anyone cared about anymore. He felt worthless. Yeah. His self-confidence was gone. Totally shot. And he did not want to help Wesley because he didn't think he could do it. Yeah, and then when his wife Valerie hears this, she runs out and she's very mad mm -hmm. and passionately angry that he doesn't want to help this person who, you know, is needs to come back to life to fulfill his true love. And it's fear. It's that's that's what what the problem is there is that's fear. And that fear is going to be gone. That self-confidence is going to be restored. Yeah. And and he's gonna be a happier person. That's oh, so good. It's such a good movie. Or happy as, as Miracle Max can be, because yeah. Miracle Max seems like he just likes to be crotchety. I feel like oh, yeah. he and Valerie have that kind of like crotchety relationship, but they love it. Yeah. I mean you know? that's part of his persona. Right. Um, but you know, even though he's gonna be crotchety, underneath it he's at least gonna be able to enjoy his crotchetiness. That's right. And not be miserable. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's so good. Um, yeah. So I think that's all I had for uh, thoughts on the movie. I'm sure we'll come up with more. You oh, know. Yeah. Um, but that's what you know. We eventually this year are going to publish our website and have some little blogs up. So I'm sure I'll think of something else to talk about there. Um, cause I just feel like this movie always has something fresh happening and always something exciting. So as always, when we wrap up an episode, we say what food we think of, um, when we think of this movie. So do you have a princess Brad related f- comfort food? I think of a wedding cake, huh. a many tiered wedding cake. Okay. That's, that's what I think about. And I, I think about it more for the presentation of the bride and the groom on top of the cake, because that reminds me of the position that we see Wesley and Buttercup in on the picture that they used for the cover yes. of the film, you know, and when they go to kiss, it's that same pose. And, and there's, sense. yeah. And there's such strong love. And this is the princess bride. Right. So there is like that marital element, even though she doesn't actually get married. Uh, she didn't say man and wife. They didn't say man and wife. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. Well, and it's, it, I will say, you know, with the wedding cake, I mean, there are all kinds of wedding cakes that I've had. But in my mind, this wedding cake is just perfect because it's not dry. You know, it's moist. Yes. You know, it's creamy. It's sweet. They cut just a perfect slice for you. Mm. Fits perfectly on your plate. You're enjoying it in a sunset. That's lovely. Yeah. I love that thought. Um, For me, I think that I would have to go with chicken soup and saltine crackers. Oh, that's a good combo. <laughs> and the reason I'll say that is because of the grandson character, Fred Savage, is sick. Um, and I just remember those times when you're a kid and you're sick and there just feels like nothing fixes that better. Or makes you feel better than a big bowl of chicken noodle soup mm. with some saltine crackers. And for me, the saltine crackers are an integral part. You can't really have the chicken soup without the saltines. No, I can really see how they go hand in hand. I've done that many times myself, even <laughs> when I'm not sick. Yeah. I need my crackers with oh, yeah. my chicken soup. The soup with the chicken soup and crackers is great anytime. But I'm particularly thinking about when you have a cold or you're just not feeling 100% up to snuff and you get that warm bowl of chicken noodle soup um, with the saltines. That's what I think about Mm. Um, because it's just comfort. It's like the definition of comfort. And this movie for me is the definition of comfort. Yeah, It's what I think of when I think of if you ask me about a comfort film or you use the phrase comfort film to me. Princess Bride is what pops into my mind immediately at the first thought. So that's why I would say that. It Well, this movie really is like the warmest, coziest, softest blanket yeah. you can ever feel, ever imagine, ever want to be wrapped up in. This is, this is, oof, I, I understand. And I think I'd have to say with comfort, I think this would be i i don't know that i would say the top but it would be darn close yeah for me it's definitely my top but yeah no i understand and the thing is that just everything about it comes together in just the best possible way the cast the story the humor 
the movie has so much heart. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's, it's just like that last puzzle piece clicking into place. And, you know, I just have to imagine if you made a movie like this, how good you would feel about it. Because it's just so great. And just, you're putting out such a good thing into the world with this movie. So, good job to everyone who was in this or had anything to do with making this what it is. Because it's fantastic. It's unparalleled. It's the stuff that dreams are made of. It is. Well... I think that does it for our Princess Bride episode, as sad as I am to say that. <laughs> yeah, there's so much to say. I'm like, we could keep going. And I'm like, no, man. <laughs> I could just sit here and quote the entire screenplay to you, because that would be a good use of my time. Um, but no. <laughs> when we love something, we just don't want to shut up about it. No, it's true. Now you're experiencing what it's like to be our friends. When we're really gassed <laughs> up about something. Like, just imagine that we keep going for like another six to eight hours. Yeah, we'll, we're going to stop recording, but we're still going to keep talking. Yeah. And then we'll watch this again in a month or something and start talking about it all over again. So, you know, it's like a perpetual Princess Bride machine around yeah. here. <laughs> and I don't want to get off. So. I don't either. I don't either. As always, if you have any thoughts or feelings or insights, please feel free to hit us up and share those on our social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, all of those are Comfort Films Podcast. And we'll be happy to talk to you about that there. Uh, next week, we will be continuing our Rob Reiner run slash meet meatloaf i almost said <laughs> i almost said meatloaf thing. too meat head marathon <laughs> <laughs> with uh episode three which will be this is spinal tap um so we are picking up christopher guest and rob reiner um just as we brought billy crystal and rob reiner from last week into this week we're dropping off billy and picking up christopher and uh, riding on forward with Rob Reiner. So this will be a really fun episode as well. Um, it's another movie that I really love. And uh, we just can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, I, I love it too. What what a... what? We're both music fans. <laughs> oh, man. Big I... time too. So this is going to combine music, mockumentary, comedy, yeah. great actors that we love in this movie well and i'd love to watch all the rock documentaries like yeah, we grew okay. up with behind the music again we're ancient we're ancient <laughs> people but there used to be like this hour show where they would talk about bands yeah and, and they this would... is just like that yeah it's just like fake that. so right um it was right up our alley um, i'm sure we'll talk more about behind the music next week that'll be fun yeah yeah so uh be sure to join us then thank you so much for being here with us uh for princess brad thank you and as always, stay comfy. Stay comfy, everybody. 